right, let's take just a moment while you remain standing. Take just a moment. Let's welcome all of our Fairview family uh, to worship this morning and the preaching of his word. We're so grateful for all of our family on that side of the world over there. And while you're turning, while you're turning, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, we're going to be in the New Testament today, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And while you're turning, I want Brother Doyle, he's going to share a little experience he had this week. Most of y'all know. We've been preaching, we've been encouraging, we've been begging, pleading, bribing, guilt tripping you into sharing your story. Say amen. We're trying to get this, this, this Christian world to start sharing their faith and, uh, and let Brother Dole just, come on Brother Dole, you just share, uh, you now stand in the camera, stand in the camera. They, we want fair, fair view to see, all right? Just share what happened this week. I didn't get here in time for him to do my hair and makeup, so y'all just, <laughs> but, um, I'll try to get through this without breaking down and crying. <clears throat> Had old boy been working for me off and on for the past couple months. And uh, not real faithful. He'd show up when he needed money and call and ask if I could work him, and I would. And this week, <clears throat> we got to talking. And um, I, said, I said, son, I said, I usually don't give anybody a second chance. I said, but Jesus would give me more than my share. Little hints like that and subtle, subtle, subtleties down through the week. And Thursday, I had him hemmed up in the back seat of my truck, <laughs> waiting on another boy to come out of the store. And I said, "Son, what's going on?" And he told me. I said, "You know, the only thing that can fix that is Jesus." And uh, he said, "Yeah, when I was in church, everything was this or that." And we got to talking. He said, "Yeah, when I was in church, things was." I said, "Son, let me tell you something." I was in church for 28 years. I said, I went to church in my mama's belly. I said, but until the day I gave it up and asked the Lord Jesus to come into my life and save me, I said, I tried alcohol, anything else to help fill that void, and nothing worked. I said, but from then on, I said, he saved me. He saved my marriage, and my life ain't been the same since. And um, had him to the point... He bowed his head and was going to pray right there in the back seat of my truck. And he hit the back of the seat. He said, I'm not ready. He said, I can't. So he didn't show up Friday. And yesterday he texted me and asked me if he could come by and pick up his pay. I said, yeah, come on. I thought, here we go. And he come to the house. He got out and walked up. I handed him his money. And he started to walk off. I said, son, I said, have you been thinking about what we was talking about Thursday? He turned around and looked at me with with a little tear in his eye. He said, yes, sir. I said, well, let's talk about it. And he walked right over and sat down on the front step of my porch. I sat down with him, just loved on him for a little bit. And uh, we talked, and we was in the middle of talking. He just bowed his head and started praying. And uh, he got saved at my house, my porch yesterday evening. So let me... I just want to say this. In an old, hot, air-conditioner-broke Chevy Avalanche sitting out there in the parking lot, it's where it started. Yeah. So it can happen anywhere. And it don't take a rocket scientist. It don't take somebody that's been saved for 50 years. It don't take preacher. Mm-hmm. It just takes somebody willing to do what God tells them to do. That's right. And take advantage of that opportunity that we've been talking about. Thank you. All right.
There's opportunities. There's opportunities all around us. We're just not looking for them. Listen, we've got to open our mouths. We're never going to see this world change. And we're never going to see people help like they need to until we start opening our mouths. Somebody say amen. amen. Y'all might as well sit down. We've got to read a lot. And I know if you're irritating and ready and wanting to sit down, you're not going to listen to what I'm saying. So go ahead and sit down. You can sit down out there at Fairview. Uh, I want to read the whole chapter. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to ask the question to everyone here, are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? Now, before you answer that and say, preacher, I'm saved, that's not what I asked. I didn't ask if you were saved. I didn't ask if you knew where you were going when you would die. I'm not asking you if you're going to heaven. I'm asking you, are you ready to die? Because you're going to face someone as soon as you do. One day, we're going to have to face our maker. One day, we're going to have to face the Lord. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? I'm not asking if you're saved and if you're going to heaven. That's not what I'm asking. Are you ready to face the Lord? Paul said, I am ready. I am ready now to be offered. It's in your notes at the top. I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departures at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. I really, I've been praying and asking God what he would want me to preach. Most of you know we have our faith sharing workshop tonight. And I really want everybody to be here because I want you to know how to share your faith. Say, well, I know, then why aren't you? Listen, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. I want to motivate you. I guess that's the good word that I'm trying to come up with, motivation. And I said, Lord, what can I do to motivate our people? What can I do to motivate our people? And, and God led me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, Paul describes his motivation to do what he did, to be able to say, to be able to say when it was his time, I'm ready. I'm not only going to heaven, but I'm ready to meet my maker. I'm ready to face the one who died for me. Jim Elliott, Jim Elliott was a young, very young missionary who died with several others in a, in a Horrific, horrific situation. They flew into a, a village. And these people had never been reached before. It was a remote, remote jungle. And when they flew in and they tried to approach these people, they killed them. They speared them to death. And this is what Jim Elliott said. One quote I had written in my Bible from a missionary friend of mine. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. But then he said this. He says, when it comes time to die, when it comes time to die, make sure that all you have to do is die. Now think about that. Man, what a, what a statement. Man, I, I, I thought about that over and over and over. And when it comes to die, make sure that all you have to do is die. Make sure you don't have to get some things right with God. Make sure you don't have to come to God and say, you know, just be sure 
you're ready to die. And that goes way beyond salvation. It goes way beyond knowing where your heavenly home is or knowing where you're going to be in eternity. It's going to be ready to meet your maker. And here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, and that's in reference to your human body, your body, your body houses your soul and your spirit. He says, We know if this dissolves, in other words, if he was to die, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. He says, man, I'm ready to get my glorified body. And man, if you have any pains and aches and problems here on this earth, you're ready for yours too. It says, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Living in this body, in this cursed world, in this cursed body, it's a burden. Not for that we should be unclothed and clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. In other words, we don't want to be a bodily spirit that's floating around, but we're ready for our immortality. Now, he that wrought us for this self-same thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the spirit. Therefore, therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. In other words, while we're alive here on this earth and we're in this physical body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What's he saying? He says, once you become absent from this body, you're going to be in the presence of the Lord. There's not a soul sleep. They're not, you don't wait in the ground. You don't, you're, you're, when you die, you're not there in the ground till Jesus comes. The moment that your spirit leaves your body, you're going to be in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Are y'all with me? And now we go into the message. Now we go into what he says. Look at that. The next verse, actually the next word, verse number nine. Tell me that word. Say it again. Now keep in mind, he just described just a basic summary. He said, one day we're going to get a brand new body. Listen, this house is going to be dissolved. This body's going to die and it's going to go back to the dust. But we have a house. We have a body not made with hands reserved for us in glory. We, we are going to have a immortal brand new body. And to be absent from this body means we're going to be present with the Lord. The moment my eyes close in death on this side, I'm going to open them on that side and I'm going to be facing my maker. Wherefore? In other words, because of that, because of the knowledge that I have that one day, as soon as I die on this planet, I'm going to be looking at Jesus because of that. Look what he says. We what? We labor. Knowing that I'm going to face my maker, knowing that one day I'm going to die and I'm going to see Jesus. I labor that whether present or absent, we may be. That word accepted means well-pleasing. I want to please God, whether I'm here, whether I'm there, I want him to be happy with me. I want to ask you a question. Is he happy with you right now? Is he happy with you right now? Is he well pleased with your behavior? Is he well pleased with your effort to serve him? Is he well pleased with your, your uh, uh, attempt to share your faith? He says, for we must all, how many of us? All appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now keep in mind, the bad there means useless. It means useless, and I'll come back to that. Knowing therefore the what? Terror. Say it with me. Knowing therefore the the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for you. What's he saying there? He's saying sometimes we're really passionate about sharing our faith, and you may think we're crazy. And Paul had been called crazy a lot. But he said, if you think we're beside ourselves, if you think we're out of our mind, hey, it's for your sake. It's for God. We're, We're out of our minds for God. We're very passionate about sharing our faith. And it may seem like we're crazy, but we're, we're doing it for God. And we're doing it for you. He says, for the love of Christ, the love of Christ constraineth us, motivates us, drives us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And then he died for all that they may, they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. We're not supposed to live unto ourselves, but unto him that died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, we have known Christ after the flesh, yet not henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Are you glad of that? Say amen. And all things are of God. Watch this now. Watch this. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us. Look at your neighbor and say, we're the us. Has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world and himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Watch this now. And hath committed unto us. Look at your neighbor and say that us is us. The word of reconciliation. Now we are. Look at your neighbor and say that's us. We're ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That means the perfect one, my sin and your sin was put on him so his righteousness could be put on us. And all God's people say it. Dear Heavenly Father, you know what I need to say, and you know what I don't need to say. And I beg in Jesus' name that you'll fill my heart and my mouth with your word. I don't want to get carnal. I don't want to get in the flesh. I want to stay in the spirit. Please help me. Please anoint my mind and my heart. The devil has fought so much. Lord, and I, I, I am so aware of how desperately I need you. And Lord, I pray that you will put a hedge about this place, rebuke the devil, put a hedge and keep every demonic influence away from this building for a few hours today. I pray for your divine touch. 
God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Paul says two things in this chapter. Really the message I want to share is in point number two, but I need to give you, I need to give you what he does, what we need to be doing. He says in the very beginning from verse number one down to verse number eight, you remember we summarized it. He said, one day we're going to die. Basically, that's what he's saying. This body's going to be dissolved. This house that we walk around in and we live in right now, it's going to go away. And one day we're going to go to heaven to be absent from the body. Now, now, now keep in mind, I'm primarily speaking to the saved folk today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your savior, uh, listen, the only thing you need to worry about today is getting right with God. You need to, you need to, you need to get saved today. Today is the day of salvation. You need to not worry. You need to not fret. The only thing you need to do today is get saved. Just trust Christ. And and we're going to have an invitation here in just a few minutes. And there's going to be people with a Bible in their hand. And all you got to do is step out and we will take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Listen, that's the only thing you need to be worried about today. I I need a witness. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised this afternoon. So, so make sure that's, that's your focus today. If you're here today and you're not 100% sure if you was to die right now, you'd go to heaven. Your only worry, your only job today is to come and get saved. But everybody else, everybody else, all the believers in here, I'm addressing you today. Paul says, because I know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord because I know one day my spirit and my soul is going to leave this body. And as soon as it does, I'm going to be looking Jesus face to face. I'm going to be meeting my maker. And because of that, he says, we labor. Verse number nine, we, come on, everybody. We, now look at verse, look at verse number 11, verse number 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We could say this from verses one through eight, knowing that one day we're going to see Jesus. We're going to meet our maker. We labor verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we we persuade men. Say it with me. We. Persuade so here's, here's, here's what I want you to write. If you're taking notes, number one, number one, what we do, what we do as a child of God, as a born again believer, what, what we do, he says it here in these two verses, verse number nine and verse number 11, he says, we labor, we labor. And then he says in verse number 11, we persuade men. So help me with that. We labor and we Everybody say it. We and now here's how I want you to put it. Here's how I want you to put it. That's for your notes sake and for the outline sake for a and B and all that. But here's how I want us to do this. What do we do? What do we do? We labor persuading men. Say it with me. We listen, this is the job of every born again believer. There is nothing in heaven. There is nothing in heaven. Nothing, nothing. There's only one thing that we can do here on earth that we can't do in heaven. And that's labor to persuade men. Listen, we can pray in heaven. We can praise in heaven. We can worship in heaven. We can rejoice in heaven. But the only thing we can do here is labor to persuade men. What's the point? The point I'm trying to make is this. Listen, when you got saved, when you got saved, if God didn't have a purpose for you, he would have took you on home. He would have took you on home, but he's got a purpose for you. That's for you to labor to persuade men. 
Are, are y'all understanding what I'm saying? That's the only reason he left us here. If he left us here to worship, we could have done that in heaven. If he left us here to pray, communicate with him, we could do that in heaven. If he left us here to sing, we could do that in heaven. But no, he left us here to persuade men to, to share our faith, to share the story, to share God's story. That's why we're here. You're not saved to go to church. For so many, for so many centuries and for so many years, people have had the wrong idea that you got saved for the purpose of going to church. No, you're the church. You're saved to persuade men. We come to church to encourage each other to go out in. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. We, we labor, we toil, we work. Our, our focus every day is to share and persuade men. It doesn't matter if you're a painter. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a missionary. You say, oh, that's what they're supposed to do. No, that's what we're all supposed to do. If you study the book of Acts, you'll find out this is for every single believer. And we're going to see it here in this chapter. For all, who has the ministry of reconciliation? All the reconciled. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So this is what we do. So, so look at your neighbor and say, this is what we do. We labor to persuade men. Say it with me. We labor to persuade men. That's our job. That's what we do. They ask you what, as a Christian, what do you do? We labor to persuade men. Now, what was, what was Paul's motivation? He said, one day I'm going to meet my maker. One day I'm going to see the one who died for me. One day I'm going to be eyeball to eyeball with Jesus. And because I know that, I'm going to labor to persuade men. And all God's people say it. So what we do, what we do, we labor to persuade men. And Paul did that. Mercy did Paul do that. Acts 20 verse 18 says, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I've been with you all seasons. He said from the very first day throughout every season, didn't matter what time of the year it was, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house testifying both to Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, from the very first day I came in all seasons, no matter what time of the year, listen, I labored to persuade men. Do you know why? Do you know why Paul was able to say, I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready to die. Because he labored to persuade men. He labored to persuade men. Number two. Now what was his motivation? What was his motivation? Look what he says. Verse number 10. Why we do what we do. What we do, number one. Number two, why we do it. Why do we, why do we persuade men? First of all, A, Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. For we must all appear before the judgment seat. And keep in mind, he's speaking to the Corinthian church. He's speaking to believers in this particular verse. 
So he is in reference to save people in verse number 10. He said, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Say that with me. The that everyone, every believer may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, then we see verse 11, knowing therefore the, come on everybody, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now in that verse, he's in reference to lost people, lost people. Okay. You are persuading men to place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in verse number 10, he's in reference to saved people. In verse number 11, he's referencing lost people. Preacher, what are you saying? There is going to be a judgment of the saved and there's going to be a judgment of the lost. Now, let me describe them real quickly for you. It says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is in reference to who? The saved, the born again. Okay, that word judgment here in this point, judgment seat, it's the word Bema, B-E-M-A. B-E-M-A means platform, means platform. And there was two things that they would do on this Bema. They would, they would, there would be judgment on this Bema. They would have a platform in the, in the city square where they would come and if they had a debate or if they had a problem, they would stand and defend their cause, defend their, their issue, or it was a place of reward. It was a place where they came and awarded a person. Uh, it, it is very convenient that we got the Olympics going on right now. And how many of y'all know in the award ceremony when they received their, uh, uh, help me medal, when they receive their medal, they get up on a platform. That's a Bema. That's what it's talking about. And what Paul is saying here, he is saying, everybody is going to walk up that platform and stand before God and receive the things done in their body, whether they be good or bad. Now to clarify this, you say, Oh preacher, I thought we were not going to be held accountable for our sins. You're exactly right. You say, why is that? Because on the cross of Calvary, every sin you've ever committed or ever will commit had been placed on Jesus and he paid for them. He was judged for your sin and my sin, your iniquities and my iniquities, your disobedience and my disobedience. It was on. Then what is bad talking about here? Bad is the word useless, useless. Okay. Now, what does that mean? You're going to stand to be awarded for the things that you do for God after the point of salvation. God is going to reward you for the things that you have done. The verse in your notes is in referencing to going through the fire. How many of y'all remember the verses that everything we do is either wood, hay, or stubble, or gold, silver, precious stones, right? In other words, every good work that you do from the point of your salvation on is either wood, hay, and stubble or gold, silver, and precious stones. One can go through the fire and be purified. The other will burn up. The, what, the gold, silver, precious stones, that is the good. That is the things you did for the glory of God. That is the things you did with the right motivation. That is the things you did not for self-interest, not for self-glorification, but for the glory of God. They will come through the fire and they will be purified and you will receive a reward. 
But I'm afraid everything we've done was not for God. I'm afraid we've had selfish motivations. I'm afraid that we've done things without the right heart and without the right motivation and not for the glory of God. But so man could pat us on the back. That is wood, hay, and stubble, and it's useless. And one day you're going to face God. You're going to face God for everything you've done for him from the point that you put your faith in him. Every single thing. Now I want to ask you again. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to face him? Knowing the fact that he is judging our motives. He is judging our works, our service for him. Are you ready to die? Can you be like Jim Elliott and say, make sure the only thing you got to do when it time comes is just die. We're going to face him. And Paul says, because I know, because I know I'm going to stand on that beam of judgment, because I know I'm going to stand there and all of my works, all of the things that I've done for God is going to go through the fire and it's going to be tested for, for it's, it's, it's gen, uh, uh, genuineness. Hope that's a word. Is it legit? Is it for the glory of God? He said, because I know that. I persuade men. I labor. I work hard. Because one day I'm going to stand before Jesus and give an account for my life. After all Jesus has done for me. How can I not do something for him? And all God's people say it. But see, there's another judgment. There's another judgment. It said knowing the terror of the Lord. The terror of the Lord is not going to be in the judgment seat of Christ. That's for the saved. The terror of the Lord is going to come from the great white throne judgment. That's in Revelation. It's right there in your notes. I'm not going to take the time to read it. But the great white throne judgment is where all the lost will stand before God. And they will give an account for their life. All the lost will stand and have to pay for their own sins because they received not the payment that Jesus made on the cross. It says the dead, small and great. That means the rich and the poor will be there. The high government official will be there. The lowest person living under a bridge will be there. Persons of every race, persons of every nationality, persons of every class and culture will stand before God. And the books will be opened and their life will be judged according to those books. And everybody whose name is not in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. I don't know about you, but that's terrible. That's the terror. Say it with me. That's the terror terror of the Lord. And Paul is saying this, not only me standing before the judgment seat of Christ, Not only me standing knowing that all that I do for God will go through the fire and the only thing that will come out that I will be rewarded for is what I do with the right motive for the glory of God. Not only that, but when I know that people are going to die and stand and be judged by God and cast into the lake of fire, I persuade men. Paul is saying, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be at the judge or the great white throne judgment, but I know people who will. And he said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. 
We persuade. Listen, are you ready to die? Have you been persuading men? The only thing that we can take with us is what we do for his glory and other people. Think about that. The only thing that's going to be waiting in heaven that we can send on ahead is what we do for his glory, the labor and the service we do for his glory, the good works we do strictly for the glory of God in other people. You're not going to carry that house with you. You're not going to carry them fine cars with you. You're not going to carry all that you try to gather and hoard up today. You'll never carry that with you. But you can carry your neighbor. You can carry that employee that you work with. You can carry that waitress that you met at the restaurant that you shared your faith with and she trusted and believed. He said, because I know there's judgment coming. So I'm going to persuade men. I'm going to labor to persuade men because judgment is coming. Say that with me. Because everybody say it again. Judgment's coming. He said, not only do I do it because judgment is coming, but look what it says in verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Constrain means to press, to strain, to urge, to drive, to exert force, physical or moral, either in urging to action or restraining it, to compel to force, to urge with irresistible power or with a power sufficient to produce the effect. Can y'all kind of get the word now? He, and, and by the way, he said the love of Christ. He's not saying his love for Christ. He's saying Christ's love for Paul. In other words, Paul is saying, because if you'll keep reading, he'll talk about, he'll talk about The sacrifice. He'll say, Jesus died for me. And not only did Jesus die for me, Paul is saying, he died for all. Isn't that what it says? He says he died for all. And and Paul is saying, and so the only logical thing that there is to know, if he died for all, that meant that all were dead. All were doomed. All were Condemned. If Jesus died to deliver you, to save you, to, to rescue you, to bring you out of condemnation. And if he died for all, you know what that means? That means that all were condemned. All needed rescue. All were judged and, and listen, on their way to hell. But Jesus died for you. And Paul is saying, how could I not labor? How could I not spend my life for Christ? How could I not submit to him? And how could I not surrender to his direction in my life? After all he's done for me, ladies and gentlemen, when's the last time you took a glimpse at Calvary? When's the last time you took a glimpse at the suffering and the pain and the agony that Jesus went through the crown of thorns that they drove down into his skull, the beating and the lacerations that he took, the pain from the, the, the nails that were driven into his hands and the spear that was jabbed into his side only for you to be able to go to heaven. 
How can we see that and not be motivated? How can we see what Jesus did for us and not be constrained to do something for him? He said, man, when I think about what Jesus has done for me, how could I not? How could I not at least try? He said, the love of Christ motivates me to do what I do. Not only the fact, not only the fact that Jesus, he died for him. We see the love of Christ in Christ's sacrifice for Paul, but we see the love of Christ in Christ's change of Paul. I preached a funeral yesterday. I preached a funeral of a scoundrel turned to a saint. And before you, before you get all high and mighty, you a scoundrel too. There's none that seeketh after God for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Your level of scoundrel may be different, but you're still a scoundrel. And this scoundrel happened to be one that I had witnessed to and witnessed to, and he just didn't think God could save him because he was a special kind of scoundrel. And I was able to take the verses that Paul gave to Timothy and said, let me tell you something. I was a blasphemer. I was injurious. In other words, I injured people. I did some horrific things and Paul did some horrific things. And you know what Paul said of all the scoundrels? I'm number one. I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the worst one. And, but this is the great part. He said, but let me tell you why God saved this scoundrel. Because he made me a pattern. And, and let me put it in Alabama terms. Paul is saying, if God can save me, he can save. Anybody. How many of y'all glad that God's a scoundrel saving God? Amen. And you know what Paul is saying right here? He said, I've, I'm motivated to do something for God because he changed me. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How many of y'all in this building are glad that when you got saved, God changed you? Amen. He changed your behavior. He changed your appetites. He changed everything about you. Was you perfect? Absolutely not by no means, but you're different. And Paul said, how could I not persuade men after Jesus changed me? Christ loved me enough to come where I was and save me and changed me. It's kind of like the demoniac, right? And he was motivated to go preach and go share his story and go share his faith because Jesus changed him. How many of y'all are saved today? Without a shadow of a doubt. You know without a shadow of a doubt. How many of y'all remember the change that took place? Now, let me say this. If you raised your hand the first time and said, I'm saved, but you couldn't remember a change, you may not be saved. Most likely, if you didn't change, you ain't saved. You might be religious. Because I'm going to tell you this. If Jesus came, he changed you. And all God's people say it. Mo, I see you back there. Did y'all have a good trip? Amen. Good to have y'all back. Look at the third one. Now, this is where we're going to get intense. And it's not really intense, but more specific. More specific. Look what he says. He brings in a word, reconciliation. And he says it several times in just a couple verses. Verse number 18. 
What was number one? Let's let's review. Let's review. Why do we do what we do? Because A, the. Okay, Lord Jesus, help us. A, because of judgment that's coming. Judgment that's coming. Oh, Lord, help us, Jesus. A, say it with me. Why do we do what we do? A, because judgment that's coming. B, the the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ, when I think about what Christ has done for me, I can't help but serve him, persuading men. Then see the responsibility I've been given. Write that down. The responsibility I've been given. Verse number 18. Let me do it quick because we're out of time. And all things are of God who has, everybody, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. by Jesus. And what that means is, what that means is just to bring back together. Most of y'all have heard the phrase. You've seen people that were married and they were having problems. They were separated, but they, they reconciled. They came back together. Does that make sense? Everybody understand that? And what it means is God and us were out. Our sins have separated us from God. But God took the measures to reconcile, bring us back to him through Jesus. How many of y'all are glad of that? Say amen. He reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Now watch. And hath given to. Look at your neighbor and said, that's us. The ministry of reconciliation. There, there's our job. We've got a service. Ministry means service. We've got something to do. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world in himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And hath committed unto us. Look at your neighbor and say, that's us. He's committed to you and me the word of. You know what that makes us? Now then we are. Okay, that's verse 20. Now then we are. Now then we are. I'm going to do it till you say it with with a firm affirmation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. You know what that means? You're a representative of the king of glory. An ambassador is one who goes to a foreign land, a foreign country, a strange environment to represent the one who sent him. Are y'all willing? Listen, we are in a strange environment. We don't talk like this world. We don't act like this world. We don't like what this world does and what they stand for. We're in a strange environment. You know why? Because this world is not our home. We are just passing through. I'm here not as a long-term resident. I'm here as an ambassador representing the king and telling you the message of reconciliation that you're a sinner, but he's a savior. He loves you and he will draw you back if you will believe in him. Somebody say amen. I've got a responsibility. I've got a job. If you're here today and you're saved, all right, who has the ministry of reconciliation? All those that have been reconciled. If you've been reconciled to God, you have the ministry of reconciliation. That's the job that we have. You have the message of reconciliation. That is the gospel. Are y'all with me? G-O-S-P-E-L. G, God made us to be with him. 
Oh, our sins have separated us. See, that's why we need reconciled. Our sins have separated us from God. S, listen, our sins can never be taken away by good deeds. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much you go to church. I don't care how much of that Bible you know. I don't care how much money you've given. It is useless to save you, but the blood of Christ will wash your sin away. Our good deeds can never be taken away. Our sin can never take away, be, be taken away by good deeds. P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone that places their faith solely in him will be saved. L, li- listen, life for, with Jesus begins today and lasts forever. Preacher, what did you just say? I just said the gospel. I just said the message of reconciliation that we are sinners, but he is a savior. We are separated from God and need to be reconciled to him. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ. He died on a cross to pay for your sin and pay for my sin so we could be brought back into a good relationship with the God of all glory. Somebody say amen. Amen. I got to tell somebody. I got to share my faith. I got to learn how to witness. I got to take the initiative to share my faith with those around me because I am an ambassador of Christ. And if you're saved, you are too. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, you are. I wonder what's going to happen. And by the way, in the ambassador handbook of the United States, do you know, do you know, this is just a side note. I'm not even going to charge you for this one. Do you know in case of emergency, if things get bad at the embassy, that the ambassador will be airlifted to safety? Some of y'all know your Bible. The Bible says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the cloud. Preacher, what are you saying? Before that tribulation begins, we're going to be airlifted to safety. You know why? We're ambassadors. We don't belong to this country. We don't belong to this world. I'm a citizen of another world. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I labor to persuade men because I know judgment is coming. I labor to persuade men when I think of all that Jesus has done for me. He died for me and he changed me. Listen, I labor to persuade men because of the responsibility I've been given from my Savior. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I have to share the message of reconciliation. I've been sharing it over and over and over. Shared it with Cassandra last night. And prayed with her and said, Jesus loves you. Jesus changed me and he can change you. Listen, I shared it with, with, with Abby and Veda and Jalen and... Uh, and uh, Hallie, Hallie, Saturday. How many of y'all know? No, actually it was Friday. Friday. How many of y'all know that the that, that, that staff people will throw you under the bus? <laughs> I ain't going to mention no names, Josh Stansel. 
I'm, I'm sharing with these precious ladies, young ladies from high school at the Vinemont shindig they had. And I said, man, what's your name? And they went down the line and Josh behind me, he, 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 ask him in five minutes from now. He's lucky I'm not a deacon. <laughs> I'd have popped him right there. Amen. There I'm trying my best to remember names. I share with all four of them right there. Listen, will you be motivated? I'll be honest with you. I, I, I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to turn. I don't know what else to say. If what I just told you don't motivate you to become a true ambassador that will take up the message of reconciliation and begin to share. If this don't motivate you, I don't know what will. Come on. 